This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it is Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free. So enjoy those on us. Again, all at freetalklive.com. We will get to some of the things we promised you on Saturday night but just didn't have time enough for, including uh, what happened to the, the Ron Paul people at the, uh, the the Republican outside, rather, the Republican National Convention. But first, to your phone calls. It's Matt in Illinois on the amp line. Hello, Matt. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Hey, what's on your mind tonight, sir? The Ron Paul people. You make them sound like pod people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was listening to the podcast. On Friday night, you were talking about MDMA. Yes, this is the active uh, chemical that is popularly known as ecstasy. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but just so we're clear. Go ahead, sir. Right. I thought I'd relay a little story. Uh, a couple of years ago when I was seeing a therapist, uh, he was telling me that he had saved a number of marriages using MDMA. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That he would prescribe it when the uh, woman was frigid. Hmm. When she was uh, frigid? It would, when she was frigid. When okay. She refused to give sex to the husband, and uh, um, so he would just prescribe MDMA in small doses as as you were saying, and uh, apparently that worked in a number of cases to save a few marriages. Well, that's um, it, it was a prescription was drug, angry. and that was what it was used for. I mean, that's that right. was the whole idea of it. And he was very angry that day that they made it illegal. He was extremely mad about it. He says, you know, if you take it right, that's going to help. You know, I'd like to add something, and Johnson had uh, contacted me after that particular show when we had that discussion, and he had suggested that perhaps I was a little bit too um, promoting of uh, the idea of MDMA, and maybe I didn't issue enough ca- uh, caveats. As he pointed out, he, when he was growing up, or I guess a young adult, he did a lot of raving, and so he knew some people that did a lot of MDMA, and, and it's his personal belief that it did do some damage to their brain, uh, you know, to screwed them up. And I, I should have pointed out that, yes, uh, Things that are you use in excess are generally bad for you. So if you're going to utilize MDMA, uh, my previous recommendations do apply. Do learn about it first. Go to arrowid.org, E-R-O-W-I-D, arrowid.org. Learn about it. And then you'll learn about how MDMA is actually, for most people, a drug that has uh, kind of a diminishing returns effect. So if you take MDMA one weekend and then you take it the next weekend, it's not as special as if you take it one month and then take it six months down the road. So and if you do take it that next weekend and you take it the weekend after that, you're going to have to start taking more and more of it in order to reach the same sort of plateaus that you used to reach because it has that diminishing return sort of effect. And I know there's a better term for dim- diminishing returns, but that I think is effective at communicating what it is I'm trying to get across. So there are certain people who have addictive personalities who should not do drugs at all. Never. Uh, <laughs> that if they did MDMA, they would, of course, want to keep doing it because it does feel great uh, but if you keep keep upping the dose and taking it too soon you will be in trouble so i would like to uh, to put that out there because it really wasn't communicated too effectively go ahead uh, with the rest of your thoughts sir uh that was it just makes me wonder you know if if, if what you say is true if maybe that's why they uh 
they regulated it so much that I'm for regulation at all. Um, but this particular doctor that I was seeing was quite upset that, that he could no longer prescribe it to people. He thought it was... Uh, that it was great. Yeah, I wish I wish that uh, the politicians that uh, went into these, you know, dis- decided to vote for a particular issue, uh, spent a lot of time uh, thinking about it and debating it and uh, really mulling it over in their minds, but they don't. Um, you know, somebody come up came up and said, "We got this here drug. It's MDMA. It makes people love each other and touch each other and stuff." <laughs> You'd be having and, that. Uh, <laughs> it's bad. What do you do? You think it should, we should have it make it illegal? Yes. Uh, all in favor, say yay. All and pose oh, say nay. I mean, that's well, you know, American Americans don't like touching yeah. drugs yeah. or love. Yeah, it shows the politicians should just stay out of it completely. Like, they absolutely the should. And their people handle it. Yeah, enough of those politicians down in Congress try to touch enough people without their wanting to be touched. That uh, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Matt, for the call tonight. Appreciate the thoughts. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Quick related email. Since we're talking about the realm of things that are illegal. Here's one from Derek. Psilocybin mushrooms have made me a better person is the subject. He okay. says, I've been seeing a psychiatrist for the treatment of mild depression for about three years. He prescribed Wellbutrin for me, and it was helping for the most part. The last time I saw him, I asked him what he knew about psychother- the psychotherapeutic effects of psychedelics. I told him that I was considering using them for creative, artistic purposes, and he advised me to thoroughly research the subject before making any decisions, but most importantly, he didn't advise against it. Last week, I met him again at our apartment, and filled, or appointment rather, and filled him in on what had happened since our last visit. I told him of researching the different hallucinogens, established my own criteria for ingestion, and looked into general availability and came to the determination that mushrooms were the top candidates. I told him that I'd tried hunting them locally, but that I really didn't want to trust my health to my identification skills. (laughs) I decided that growing them was safer, but of course carried a certain risk of detection. He was completely fascinated by the sto- in the story and had many questions concerning do- uh, dosage, processing, and the neurological effect of psilocybin. I sealed the deal when I gave him a copy of the abstract of the article recently published in the Journal of Psychopharmacology on the follow-up to psilocybin testing done at Johns Ho- John Hopkins Hospital. He said the journal was highly respected in his field and he would be conducting research on his own. Since starting to use mushrooms one time per month, I no longer feel the need to take Wellbutrin, which was, again, the antidepressant that was uh, that was prescribed to him. Which has some pretty heavy side effects. It does. Uh, one of our co-hosts used to be on Wellbutrin, amongst, uh, as well as, I think, one or two other antidepressants. A bevy of other things. Tricyclics or something. Yeah, he, he did not like his life on these antidepressants. They were making him break out. Uh, they were causing him to not want to have sex anymore. Ouch. And so, I mean, wait a minute. I thought you were taking this to not be depressed. I know. All man. of these things are happening to you. So he said he didn't want to take Wellbutrin anymore after starting to take the mushrooms once a month. And he says, I feel that the judicious use of mushrooms as a self-medication has helped me get through some tough times in my life. My main intention with taking mushrooms is not necessarily for the tripping, but there's no denying that this makes them a blast to take. 
I'm not advocating that mushrooms are a panacea for emotional problems that have prompted someone to seek out professional help. Do discuss the issue with your doctor and get their considered opinion. If I hadn't gotten a green light from my doctor, I would never have gone this route at all. It appears that the medical community are beginning to rethink the powerful potential of psychedelics as a component in the treatment of a number of health problems, and at least that's been my experience so far. So I thought that was kind of a, an interesting. Yet another interesting positive story about someone's interaction with psychedelic substances and how he believes it has had a positive uh, effect on his life. Well, you know, the way you guys open the program, is, it's very interesting stuff, and it, it sort of uh, dovetails with if anybody uh, got to attend the Ron Paul event or got to see it on C-SPAN. Uh, he, he stressed very well as a doctor. Uh, he he wants to acknowledge that some drugs are dangerous, but that doesn't mean that these things should be prohibited from you making uh, a clear judgment and getting advice and deciding for yourself if you want to take it. And uh, the other side of it that's fascinating is that the pharmacological industry, as as we all know, they're very much against certain decriminalizations because if certain things were decriminalized, the pharmacal, pharma, uh, pharmaceutical industries would lose their basically monopoly hold on certain painkillers or certain mm-hmm. other types of things because you just grow stuff in your backyard or in your basement under lights. And uh, so it's, it's fascinating to see the way that you guys introduced the program, obviously, uh, you know, following up on, on previous information because it, it follows up on something that I was going to discuss on my program today with the Ron Paul convention that occurred. And, uh, you know, it's amazing a guy that everybody would see as, you know, uh, a straight and narrow doctor um, is coming out and saying, look, let people be free to make their own decisions. It's perfect. It's a reasonable thing to say, and it is high time people started talking about re-legalizing these drugs. And we'll come back with more here. Uh, your calls are on the line at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And since you mentioned Ron Paul, we will be talking about what happened to some of the uh, the Ron Paul people that were attending outside, or the, rather were outside of the Republican National Convention here in moments. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The bulletin board system has over 395,000 posts. There's an awful lot to talk about there from serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. And it is pretty exciting, just as a side thought here on the, the Free State Project, it's pretty exciting seeing all these people showing up. Uh, and what I mean by that is I've been watching the Ridley Report over at RidleyReport.com, for instance. And Dave Ridley is over in the Manchester area at the moment doing a lot of uh, filming out that way of a bunch of people doing various different things. And so I'm seeing new faces pop up. You can see the new people coming because they show up on things like the Ridley Report. You see all these people you don't know, some of them that have uh, you've seen before, maybe here when they were visiting New Hampshire, and now they're moving in because it's been a couple of years since you've last seen them. And so people are – I would say we've got kind of a steady – 
slow trickle of people moving in consistently, and it shouldn't be long before that opens up to a flow, which I think is is pretty exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, right. you know, um, obviously they're moving, but uh, I just talked to somebody who today who signed up for the Free State Project. Uh, you know, today right. while I was on, you know, I, I talked to him. He signed up while we were on the phone. Well, yeah, we still need that because the signer count's still in the eight thousand range, and we've got to get to twenty thousand. So if you've been considering it. Get on board. Go to freestateproject.org and get signed up. Right. You know, and it's not signed in blood or anything like that. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's important that uh, a certain amount of people that sign up move. Mm-hmm. But I honestly think we've uh, we've reached the threshold or we're darn close to reaching the threshold that's going to change New Hampshire for the better as far as uh, lower, smaller government and lower taxes and that kind of thing, uh, more personal freedoms. I can already sense it over on my show, on the, on the Daily Show in New Hampshire here. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, we get, uh, we get a lot of people, uh, first of all, the Lot, thank you guys, because a lot of people hear about my show thanks to you, and uh, also the, yeah, and the Free State Project. You know, Dennis and everybody, Dave. Um, uh, of course, people go down to Murphy's on Tuesdays. They they all get together over there, and it's it's a great group of people. And the synergy is only going to continue to yep. build. The brainstorming will continue to build. New ideas will be born. New projects will be uh, will be initiated, and we we will have liberty in our lifetimes. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, and it's and if even if people don't think so, uh, boy, we're going to have a, a a great decrease in the size of government around here if the Free State Pro- Project continues to do what it's been doing. All right, we continue with your phone calls. Ziggy is on the line across. The pond in the UK. You're on Free Talk Live on the amp line. Right, I have a story for you. Yes, sir. Hello. Hey, yeah, we're right here. I have What's a story, happening? Story for you about MDA and how it helped the decline of uh, soccer hooliganism here. Now, MD. Um, now, hold on a second. MDA, as I understand it, is related to MDMA, but it is very different in that it's more sorry, of I'm, a. I, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure of the technical terms. I just mean ecstasy. Well, there, there is a difference. MDA is more of a trip-like sort of... I've never taken MDA, so I can't speak from experience, but from what uh, I'm told, it's more of a, a psychedelic kind of drug than MDMA, well, which is more of an empathogen. Uh, but they do still have some similarities, obviously, because they're related. Uh, but go ahead with your thoughts. Anyway, 20 years ago, we had a major problem here with football hooliganism. And then the rave scene sprung up, and all the football hooligans, uh, hooligans started to go to raves. And, of course, they were getting all loved up on ecstasy, and they didn't want to punch each other anymore. Sweet. <laughs> and so there was a decline of football hooliganism. So these are the same, guy, same guys that, you know, after their team loses or wins, will go out and tip over cars and, you know, smash yeah. bottles and break, break things and generally just do damage, and you're saying that... Well, they- it, it, it's, it, it is, it, it, it's, it's the most basic tribal thing. Um, I mean, there the, 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 the was, like, uh, yeah. things like they would try and take the opposing team's pub, Mm-hmm. You know where they all drank, um, and they would you know try and take that pub, and that would be a, if they managed to do that, that would be a victory. So it wasn't necessarily at the uh, soccer events itself; it was pervasive throughout the days and the weeks that these con- these uh, these uh, combatants. No, it always happened on. Ma- it usually happened on on, on match day, and uh-huh. it did happen. I mean, you had the Heysel uh, Stadium disaster, yeah, where I remember that. you know Liverpool. Uh, uh, supporters rioted against Juventus supporters in the European Cup final, and 39 people were killed. Gosh, um, which was despicable. Um, so, do you think this had a permanent effect, Ziggy? I mean, did the have the the soccer hooligans? I mean, it, let's say they stopped taking the ecstasy, have they just calmed down in general as a result of it? Um, I, 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 I you don't. I mean, you don't see as much trouble in in the grounds now. I mean, there was a there was a there was a drastic decline. 
when the, the rave uh, scene was sprung up, but people didn't notice this for until a few years afterwards, until mm. they started looking at statistics. Fascinating. I thank you for the call tonight, sir. Appreciate sure, the right. appreciate the story. Eight, yep, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the number. Thirty nine dead Liverpudlians. It's tragic. We continue with Johnson on the line in California. You're on Free Talk Live, Johnson. Hey, you know, there's a great movie about uh, those soccer hooligans uh, starring Elijah Wood. I think it's, I don't know the exact title, but it's called, like, it's about the Green Street Elite. So I think it's got Green Street in the title, and it's a kind of really interesting movie uh, about those hmm. uh, British soccer hooligans and just the violence. And it's like about an American journalist kid who goes over there and just, I would recommend checking it out if you're interested cool. in more about that. But, uh, I just wanted to call. I mean, you mentioned earlier that we had that little conversation about um, just the one thing that I took issue with was underplaying the danger of MDMA. And, you know, of course, I wouldn't recommend that anyone make a law against it, but I do think it's a little irresponsible to talk about the drug in in saying something like – I don't know the exact quote, but I think you said something like, all that stuff about how it makes holes in your brains – that's just propaganda. That sounds and, right, yeah. Yeah, that's completely that's completely and totally inaccurate. The science on that is very very sound and it is a very easy drug to misuse. Are you sure about that um, Johnson because it was my understanding that the holes in the brain thing was ac- was a, a study that was accidentally done with methamphetamine and they mixed no. it up with uh, they accidentally no. published I, I, it as I, though it was MDMA. I, I'm going to get geeky here a little bit, but I'm going to explain it in very basic terms. The way the brain works is sort of like it's got very different areas for processing the neurotransmitter chemicals or uh, the chemicals that control your emotions. And, you know, some people may have heard of serotonin, um, which is sort of the chemical that uh, controls your emotion for uh, your happiness. Mm -hmm. And it also regulates sleep. And another chemical is called dopamine, and that sort of controls your, uh, I guess, almost like energy levels, but also aggression. And what happens is, is your brain has these sort of like dams or floodgates that control the flow of these chemicals from one area of your brain to another. And what MDMA does is it sort of acts like a, a, a crowbar to wedge those dams open so that serotonin can flow freely into the area of your brain that processes serotonin. So in other words, what happens is you get this flood of serotonin, so then you become very elated, and you get this very uh, inner peace, happy sensation. The problem is, is that what that does is it wedges those floodgates open so wide that dopamine can get in there, and the process that your brain uses to flush serotonin from your body is oxidation. Essentially, it's basically almost like rusting. It breaks down the serotonin. So use caution. Hang on. We'll bring you back. You can continue. 800-259-9231. As I suggested earlier, use caution, though I still stand by my suggestion that the studies that said MDMA is really dangerous aren't accurate. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com.
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who have taken the time to send us their validated photo. To prove they listen to the show, head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. A new online store featuring whimsical decorative knobs and pulls is open for business. Funknobs.com is catered towards consumers looking to give their playroom, kids' room, bathroom, or even kitchen a unique and fun flair. Toll-free customers, um, toll-free customer service is also available at 1-877-820-9224. Funknobs.com is the creation of a parent company, internobs.com, online since 2004. All right, so we continue discussing uh, the world of, I, I guess ecstasy doesn't really qualify as a psychedelic, but the world of illegal narcotics, and ecstasy, of course, is what we began discussing is what Johnson called in to comment on, and Johnson, you were talking about how ecstasy works by uh, right. essentially releasing a huge rush of serotonin into uh, into your brain, and you had right. kind of gotten in the middle of that, and you we had to go to the break, so go ahead with, uh, right. with your thoughts. Okay, so well, what happens is, is when you release that flood, right? Because those, uh, you know, the the chemicals in the MDMA uh, locks those floodgates open. What happens is those floodgates are so wide open that it also allows dopamine to flow into the area of your brain that would ordinarily be processing only serotonin. And what happens is, is when your brain uses that oxidation process, like rusting, to break down the serotonin um, to flush it out of your brain. It is also breaking down the dopamine. And what that does is when your brain breaks down do- dopamine by oxidation, it turns the dopamine into an acid, which does literally do damage to your brain. And it re- uh, introduces all these free radicals and, you know, terms that I'm sure you've heard before about, you know, free radicals running around the body. But um, that's why a lot of the ravers uh, strongly advocate for things like citrus candies and, and, and orange juice and citrus juices, because those things are strong antioxidants, which helps to prevent that process. Prevent it now, and to uh, eliminate some of the free radicals, too, right? Exactly. And, and so that's why they advocate that. So Okay, so you're not saying very, that creates holes dangerous. in the brain, right? You're not saying that... I, ex- am, I am literally suggesting that, yes. Okay, well then because I've got something for you, Johnson, that. before you go on. Okay. from A quick uh, Google search uh, revealed an article over at Arrowhead, which has cataloged a few other articles from um, you know reliable sources like The Guardian, The Independent, New Zealand Herald. Uh, in another blow to the U.S. government's credibility as a drug information provider, the Johns Hopkins brain scans, which have been used to prove that MDMA causes brain damage, have been called flawed by independent researchers and editors of the magazine New Scientist. Uh, New Scientist challenges the ethics and reliability of science for politics, documents errors, and data obfuscation in compromised research. And uh, Toronto-based researcher Stephen Kish questions reliability of available PET scan data. Other let me, top let me PET stop you there. Go ahead. Because, let me stop you there because what this sounds like is, okay, they're calling into question those few particular studies that revolved around the brain scans. And, you know, while it's very possible that the government lied or inflated those results as they are, you know, want to often do, that doesn't necessarily invalidate the whole science behind it. I mean, there are numerous other studies about this uh, dopamine uh, oxidization in the brain. And so while those PET scans might be uh, inaccurate or based on, you know, irrelevant drugs, that doesn't necessarily change the fact of the science. Just because some studies were invalid 
doesn't really sort of downplay the danger. And and now I'm not saying. Uh, you know, no, hold on, Johnson. I'm not saying. I'm not. Uh, this is a perfectly safe substance. I think that anything, especially drugs, can be dangerous in excessive uh, consumption situations, right. in frequent I consumption. Clarify, I wanted to clarify that in, in that in saying that, you know, I think that incredibly irregular use or use for, for example, um, you know, psychotherapy where they're using MDMA to, to you know, work with depression or work with uh, subjects with, you know, weird neurological conditions, sure, absolutely, I think that it's, it can be a valuable resource. What I'm saying is that you should be very careful when talking about a drug like this because it is, you know, it is something that can have such a, a powerful euphoric effect. So, therefore, it can become very easy yes. to be addicted to and overuse. And, you know, along the stories, as I just, I know two people who, you know, one went from pulling a 4.0 in the particle physics department at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute and, you know, he just, his brain completely deteriorated. And another girl I know went from being, you know, a fairly normal girl to being yeah. this complete space cadet. Now, was she doing other drugs? Years. Were these people doing other drugs or was ecstasy the only drug they were doing? I know that the one, the, the physics guy, um, he was, you know, it was basically just ecstasy and weed. Um, and so, so he must have been doing an incredible amount because I know that Julia, when she was growing up, did a lot, and right. uh, she's okay. She's in fact fine. I know both of, both of them are very frequent users, and yeah. I know that there is also some possible healing that can result. I mean, over time, your brain does grow new cells. They have proved that that you know the, our original assumption that the brain never uh, creates new brain cells is, is that's totally false. I but, appreciate the discussion. Uh, I appreciate. Still very Right. Oh, yeah. I appreciate the discussion and the when warnings. When you say very dangerous, do you mean very dangerous like smoking tobacco is very dangerous or very dangerous like <laughs> drinking alcohol is very dangerous? Or you do mean that it, there are some possible repercussions to it? I, I think that there. I think both drinking alcohol and smoking tobacco are both very dangerous things to do, obviously. Um, you know, if you're worrying about your health and, you know, possible illness, I think that MDMA is a little slightly different in that, you know, you have to worry about, just damaging your brain chemistry, which well, to me seems like a totally different sort of danger. And, you know, I just would recommend, that, you know, extreme caution. There you go. There you go. And that, like that, that actually takes us full circle to where we started the entire conversation. Right. And, Johnson, thanks for the call tonight. Uh, you, well, you weren't here, Gardner, but the, what originally started this discussion was a story about how some uh, scientists are saying that that binge drinking is far more dangerous than taking regular doses of ecstasy. And, I, and that's what, that was kind of the, um, what we were discussing in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the premise mm -hmm. of the discussion in general was regular doses of one or two at the most hits taken at a time of, of ecstasy. If you're going above you know, a regular dose like that, then you really are going to be in the realm of having something uh, possibly dangerous. Yeah, you start with a comparison of the relative dangers of something that is legalized versus something that is uh, not legal, and then you get into, well, if you are going to be taking this not legal thing, uh, are the dangers hyped up? Are they Are, are they you bad? even taking what you're being told you're taking? Uh, the last time I tested a pill which was being sold and purported as ecstasy, it turned out that it was DXM, dextromethorphan hydrobromide, which is cough medicine. <laughs>
Well, so you don't even you really don't even know unless you test the stuff. See, I think there's this additional scare behind things that are illegal. And, and believe me, kiddies, I'm not pr- uh, purporting that you do anything. You shouldn't do anything illegal, as far as I'm concerned, in the area of drugs. Just because I don't know if the net benefits worth 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 versus the uh, the, the net net detriments are worth it, as far as I'm concerned. However, um, when you compare things like that, they, they have this added boogeyman to them. I, would the statistics bear out that taking a shower in your home is more dangerous than taking um, MDMA. I think that you they might. Slip and fall. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, how about uh, trimming your hedges? Uh, you know, using a chainsaw. How about going down the stairs? Yeah. I mean, that's crossing the street, driving in a car. There's these are activities that every day someone in the world is hurt or mm. dies from. Great point. So. There you go. Briefly, though, uh, from the story, the summary of the New Scientist article at Arrowhead.org, the New Scientist article is a well-balanced but critical look at the issue of overstating the certainty of findings of brain damage in ecstasy users. We're not saying that ecstasy is harmless to brain cells. It might not be. But the jury is still out, which means scientists must resist the temptation to turn their always complex and sometimes flawed findings into simple scare stories in pursuit of grants and headlines. It's refreshing to see a mainstream technical magazine publishing critiques of the science for politics, which has compromised the credibility of government-sponsored science in the eyes of many. Historically, it's been left to fringe groups to criticize the fundamental system of peer-reviewed science and the often unscientific politics and economics which govern publication. The New Scientist describes how journal editors have joined in the war on drugs by turning down articles which don't support the anti-drug view, including papers which report no effect results. Uh, The New Scientist says it's an open secret that some teams have failed to find a deficit in ecstasy users and had trouble publishing the findings because the journals are very conservative. They're biased. More on the way you take control. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show and you can bring up what you want via the toll-free number. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Gart. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, we would like you to learn how to promote Free Talk Live by going to promote.freetalklive.com. Lots of different ways, options, choices, and most of them are free or very, very low cost. So see what I mean by going to promote freetalklive.com as we continue with your calls about what you want it's Mike in Florida you're on Free Talk Live hello Mike hey how you guys doing hey just right. great Mike what's on your mind tonight well once again you're on my favorite subject of disco pharmaceuticals so. disco pharmaceuticals very good sir <laughs> yeah okay well I listened to what I caught up on the podcast where a caller was commenting about the superiority to marijuana over other drugs on the basis that marijuana is natural, okay, mm-hmm. how does that make it superior? A piranha is natural. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. there's all kinds of poisonous things that are natural. You know, I'm, I mean, whatever it is, it's, that's not the basis. It's going to be whether or not it's something that I choose to ingest. And just with the, the previous caller talk about the holes in the brain that uh, MDNA, a.k.a. ecstasy, can cause. Mm-hmm. It can, I mean, it does have its dark side, just about like every single drug does, including, I think, in some cases, marijuana if it's used too much. But I guess to me, ecstasy is something that should not be an advocate for somebody doing it every day of their life because 
once the serotonin is gone, it takes a while for the brain to rebuild it. Yeah. Right, and this goes back to what I said earlier. That goes back to what I said earlier, where you're taking something something like that too often, you're going to have diminishing returns. You're going to have to increase your dosage. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg in order to have a habit like that. And like you say, you're not even going to be able to to get back to uh, normal if you do something like that. So ecstasy is a drug best used sparingly, in my opinion. And I think most people that use it would agree with that assertion, with the exception of those who are addictive personalities that, you know, you they get hooked on anything and well, they know, want to do it over and over again. It's interesting because, uh, you know, you brought up that uh, information that you read just before the break, Ian, and Mark brought up the, the uh, economic calculations that we all make in our daily lives. Uh, based on what our perceived risks are for taking a shower or crossing a street or whatever. And uh, you, you can look at, at something that is very risky, say crossing an extremely busy, busy, busy street. And, of course, uh, you might uh, be less inclined to cross that very, very busy street if you heard that a lot of people are getting killed there or something like that. But if the goals are very large, if, if you've got something very much at stake on the other side of the street, then you have to weigh that out. And I think with uh, addictive drugs, the, the brain can chemistry uh, makes it makes it such that you have a difficult time making these sorts of decisions. But uh, you're the only one who can do this sort of thing. You've got to be free to make these economic calculations to find out what is important to you and what sort of risk you're going to take for this. And I don't see why other people in the form of government should make these choices without your consent in any way whatsoever. It's just it's absurd to me. Exactly. In fact, uh, when I was listening to some of these things that have come out from government, I thought about when I lived in Chicago about one of the most ridiculous reports coming from their, uh, their narcotics enforcement explaining what, what the appeal is was for ecstasy. This, this narc was saying that the big appeal is because of all the pretty colors and the cartoon shapes are on there. I'm thinking, <laughs> these people think these are Flintstone vitamins here. <laughs> They're doing it for the high that it produces, not because of the pretty pictures here. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> Good call, Mike. Anything else on your mind? Yeah, just a question about the Free State Project. Now, you, uh, uh, you and Mark are native Floridians. Which is a paradox as I was born in Chicago, but I came south for health reasons. Okay. And I've been trying to figure out why uh, Mark and you didn't decide not to stay in Florida because you know, try to put a free state there. And I'm not going to assume anything, but I'm taking a guess. You probably heard in the news about Hurricane Ian heading our way. Yes. Uh, there's, what, there's, always, there's always one hurricane yeah. after another. The hurricane heading your yeah, way. Yeah, that's why I moved down here because I figured blizzards, uh, hurricanes would be a nice change from blizzards. But anyhow. I was wondering if maybe something about the free state may not work down here in Florida because if they did that, if they say seceded, that means Florida wouldn't get that nice federal money that comes from emergencies. Do you think that might It's a possibility. The reason why Florida wasn't an option, uh, and I thank you for the call, the reason why Florida wasn't an option is because it's just the population's too too large. I mean, the population of Tampa, uh, I don't even know, but the population of the Tampa metro is larger than the population of New Hampshire. 20,000 people wouldn't make much of an impact. Right, right. And that's the the thing is, you know, it's it's hard enough to get, it's hard enough to get 20,000 people to sign up. Obviously, we're having, we're struggling, this free state 
project is struggling to do that to get the amount of people that would affect Florida. And don't forget all the socialist old people, all the gimme old from pe- New York, gimme, gimme old people, New just, Jersey. Well, forget where they're yeah. from. It's but they just are from there. I've worked my whole life, and now you people have to take care of me. I yeah. paid into Social Security, yep. and now you kiddies have to take care of me. They aren't the I greatest. don't care whether you're never going to get Social Security. Yeah. I want mine. Isn't Sorry, it amazing how they make an, um, a so-called moral argument out of that, that somehow generationally people have to be enslaved to them because they were promised by other people, other politicians at other times that yep. they were going to get the something at somebody that, else's expense. The scam expense. artists that perpetrated the, free, uh, the Social Security on you are dead. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> hey, a uh, real quick addition here to the drug conversation. We mentioned Arrowhead.org is a great website to get some real honest information about drugs. Arrowhead, E-R-O-W-I-D dot org. Johnson, who was on the phone a few moments ago, was digging around through their ecstasy section and found this. The primary downside to suggesting antioxidants may be neuroprotective is the chance that some ecstasy users will misunderstand the information and believe that taking vitamin C will protect them from harm or that some will assume that taking antioxidants will allow them to increase their use of MDMA. This is sort of what a drug addict would think, right? Oh, great. I can just pop this counter pill, and if I pop enough counter pills, then I can take more ecstasy. And no, (laughs) increasing MDMA dosage from the article or frequency of use is likely to significantly increase the risk of neurotoxicity. The simplest and most effective way to reduce risk of neurotoxicity is to reduce dosage and refrain from redosing during an experience and reduce frequency of use. So it goes right back and dovetails exactly in with what I was suggesting as far as usage guidelines. Very, very occasional and you'll enjoy it the most if you're going to do it. And like Mark says, make sure you double check and check and research and find out for yourself. All those things are fabulous, but kids today know that cigarettes cause lung cancer and emphysema and all kinds of health problems. Yes, there's a decrease in the amount of kids that are starting to smoke cigarettes, but... It, you know, I mean, people are still making the decision to smoke that cigarette the first time. I've met people that have smoked cigarettes, at, you know, started smoking cigarettes in their 20s. It's crazy. So, you know, this this information that's out there that something can be damaging, I don't know how useful it is. I don't know how much, uh, I mean, people should look at it, but, you know, how many are really going to? Yeah. We continue with your calls about whatever you want. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. It's Chris in Alabama on the amp line. Hello, Chris. Hey, uh, I just wanted to call and vent for a minute. I got a letter from uh, a band of criminals demanding money because I work for a living. Um, <laughs> All right. Apparently, one of the people I did work for told them that he was giving me money, and now they're coming after me for a piece of it. What a jerk. You need to have a talk to, with him. A 1099? No, I will. It, it, it was uh, – all the work I do is, is as an independent contractor, and mm-hmm. most of the – with everyone I do work for now, there's an agreement that we keep things between us because I think that's how things should be. I mean, it's yeah, my that property makes sense. that I'm working for, and they get services from me in exchange. Um, Absolutely. It's nobody else's business. For the people out there, there's no reason why you have to share your information for anyone but the people you're involved with. That's and, a great... Uh, if someone's doing work for you, don't be a jerk and go go tell a band of criminals that they you're giving them money so that they can rob from them? Well, I don't think it's necessarily being a jerk. Yes, it is. Hold on. Before you go on, um, I understand you're on one side of this issue, but understand <clears throat> that um, when you're in a corporate situation that – you, everything that you don't that isn't profits, you don't have to pay taxes on. So anything that you can show isn't profits, you don't have to pay taxes on. That person, if likely, would and not likely, that person would have had to pay taxes on what they 1099 you for, and that is for a, a, a independent contractor. They would have had to pay the taxes on that. So essentially, well, they shouldn't. They should- 
shouldn't have been reported their income in the first place. Yeah, that's what they get for being a corporation. Right, I understand. But what you need to understand is that your prices need to reflect the fact that I've got to pay taxes on the money that I'm paying to you because I can't write it off because you, um, you know, because you don't want to deal with the government. Mm-hmm. But what about all those people in Florida who need their retirement? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Chris, anything else? No, that was it. Thanks for the call, dude. Good luck with your uh, tax situation there. 800-259-9231. Uh, you can bring up what you want. It's Francis in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Ah, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Francis. I found it very Frank. interesting, the discussion about the ecstasy. And I wanted to mention that there was a lot of uh, sort of funny research findings during the 60s, 70s, and 80s regarding LSD. And the purity of the LSD that Sandoz had, that the government produced uh, for its uses in experimental programs, LSD 25 and 27, were very pure. And they had very few... Things are different in the uh, black market. There's no doubt about that. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized a contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online from my desk with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. W-E-B-E-X.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two of the program, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind if you dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy all those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right back into your phone calls. People have been waiting patiently, so I think Frank might still be on the line in New York. Frank, are you still there? Yes, I am. Okay, you've begun uh, to tell us about uh, something about drug purity. Uh, go ahead. I mean, the, the interesting research that was conducted on LSD, the Sandoz pure LSD that the government used, and doled out to research institutions and psychologists for the research, there were very few bad trips or bad effects that couldn't have been you know, anticipated. But when you got into sort of like the homemade uh, blotter acid and things where it was very impure and different things, all sorts of uh, possibilities could occur. The mm-hmm. question I wanted to raise, we have a generation of people that have been on uh, Ritalin for 10 years or more, and we have a generation of people that have been on Prozac for 10 years or more. I'm wondering if those two drugs, when combined with, let's say, the street ecstasy, could have unanticipated effects and consequences. And, well, I uh, think the, yeah, I think it's easy to say that they would have unanticipated consequences. Correct, but there hasn't been much clinical research done where you would have a... No, and they're a, not allowed to. Nobody can do any research on uh, illegal drugs without the permission of the DEA, and the DEA mm-hmm. ain't given permission for it. And, of course, right, the whole thing's been sold. Would, that's what I would be very concerned about. And also those fluoride-based... Uh, 
inhibitor drugs that are used, you know, for uh, psychological modifications that so many people have. It's a and legitimate I don't mean just concern. Young kids, but I'm talking about people. Anybody, you know, sure. Up to maybe 65. It's that a, yeah. would be very interesting. Th- thank you, Frank, for the call today. It, it's a legitimate concern because not only. If you can't research these drugs, not only can you not find out what the negative effects are, but you also can't find out what the positive effects yeah, are either. You know, Ian, that's a great point. One of the major problems in science is trying to find out what you don't know, especially if you are involved in uh, clinical research, a university-level research. The, 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 the grant process, it's all from the federal government or mm-hmm. organizations, non-governmental organizations that are tied to the government policies that they want to get something done in a certain way. And my so sister, you better find what they want you to find, Yeah, right? my, my sister went to Harvard, for, uh, she got her PhD from Harvard, and, and she explained to me, she's like, look, every every year that I'm in this system, I see a lot, realize how corrupt the system is. The grant process is all politicized. So how are you going to find out what you don't know? If the government is the one that researches things to try to discover new information, it's very difficult to try to discover these things. And it, it just it shows you how 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 stacked against people this system really is. Yes. Absolutely. Let's continue with your calls and talk to Brett in New Hampshire. You are on Free Talk Live. Brett, what's on your mind tonight? How you guys doing? Hey uh, I have a brand new topic. All right. Um, I recently had a court appearance that uh, I wanted to talk to you guys about. Um, the, the details of the uh, actual appearance in court kind of insignificant, but it got me thinking about a, a couple of things. I had um, listened to your show for a couple of years off and on, and I'm pretty familiar with what that, uh, that gentleman in Texas has been doing. And, Sam, and from well obs- as, you know, Sam from the Obscure Truth Network. Yes, sir. Yes, and, you know, as well as the people in the, the central and the uh, western part of the state with the legal system as well. And I think it's admirable, and I think it's very brave. And, uh, you know, as I, as I learned more about what they were doing, I kind of always envisioned what my next uh, appearance in court, if need be, would, would, would be like. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went in there last week. You know, I kind of pictured defending myself, captivated jury, mm-hmm. putting the system on trial. And I went in there last week and just kind of took it. Just kind of, uh, and I realized I... As, as great as I think those things are, I'm not in a position where I can do them. You know what I mean? Wait a minute. You're in New Hampshire. I certainly am, and I fled Massachusetts about nine months ago. Uh, I joined the Free State Project, and um, it, it's more of, of an economics thing. Like, I, I'm not in a position where – what, what had happened was with, with the um, – I had gotten pulled over – uh, because I have all my papers still from Massachusetts, mm-hmm. uh, I contested a ticket, never got the correspondence, subsequently got my license suspended, and then pulled over, didn't have a license, and was arrested. So, you know, in, in New Hampshire, that's, uh, I think that's like a six-month loss of license, which I, which I can't do. And, well, know, we have people the, driving uh, around. Uh, we've had people driving around with no license and no registration. I mean, they have gone and got arrested uh, for it. Or actually, actually, not every time are they arrested. Russell Canning was arrested once, but David Cruz was not arrested at all. He was just given a summons, and then he had his uh, his fine suspended. So, you know, even if they suspend your driver's license, it doesn't prevent you from getting behind the wheel of a car and continuing to uh, to drive. So, I guess it's yeah. Well, I guess you know. It's a balance towards the consideration is, you know, if I drive 600 miles a week, and, you know, I'm, I'm very much on board with what all these people are doing, and mm-hmm. I totally agree with it, but if 
I drive, if I have a job that requires me to drive between five and six hundred miles a week, you know, I was that could be a problem. Yeah, I yeah, can see that. I found like the whole court experience was very demeaning, and that you know they had sent me a letter, kind of a plea agreement, you know, saying um, give us three hundred dollars and we won't take your license. So, so <laughs> I, you know, I took I took it. And, you know, you want and that's what most people do. Food. I mean, it's okay. Yeah. I would like to say that it's okay to uh, to bow down. It's okay to fly under the radar. It's okay to pay the gang off to get them to leave you alone. That's what most people do. It's kind of the the norm, and it it takes a lot of practice to do what something like what Sam is doing. I mean, Sam uh, in Texas at ObscureTruth.com, Sam has been really blowing the minds of a lot of the activists up here in New Hampshire because of the fact that he's going on, going at this all alone, you know, this one-man army down there, essentially, and he's had an amazing level of success, all things considered. Uh, but even Sam went ahead and paid one of the tickets just because, you know, he made the assertion that it would be just easier in his life if he went ahead and, and paid that. So, you know, I don't begrudge anybody for for obeying the demands of these government people. I think that eventually, I think what we should do is take baby steps. So I think if you think, you know, if going without a license and all that is is too far, then take a take a little step. You know, I, I don't know what that might be for you, but for instance, when they uh, the guy came over and gave me that ticket for the couch in the yard, I told him, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pay this. I don't have an obligation to you. I, yeah, there's no contract here. And I, I'm not going to pay it. And I, I considered that kind of a, a baby step out of my comfort zone. It was one of the first things that I, I really explicitly did right there in the face of a government agent to say, no, I'm not cooperating with you anymore. I'm still paying property taxes because uh, Julia would feel very frightened if I didn't pay property taxes, frightened that they might come take my my house from me. So she's asked for me to wait until there's at least five people that are willing to stop paying together. And I think that was a sensible request on her part. And, you know, that may be something that will help you out down the line if you want to continue taking those steps, finding others who are also willing to take the steps with you, discussing different options, coming at it from different approaches. So I don't think that you should feel like uh, anybody's coming down on you for it. I don't know if you were feeling that way, but uh, you got to do what you got to do to make your life right. And like you said, economics is an important factor. If if you can afford to be a professional activist or you've got enough wealth to where you can just do this stuff just to see what happens, then I think that's great. But if you're just barely getting the bills paid and you need that check from the job that you've got to drive for, then it makes sense to bow down and, and jump through the system's hoops in order so you can keep the checks coming in every week. So I hope that well, makes before, sense. Before the, the, the chain of events that, that, you know, what led up to this was a baby step like that. My inspection sticker had had expired in Massachusetts and I you know I know you guys live in Keene but I drive a lot in Massachusetts for my job. Mm-hmm. You know there's a situation here a year ago in in the the tunnel of this 20 billion dollar project that they did in Boston where a ceiling panel uh fell on a woman's car and killed her yes. out of a out of a tunnel. Mm-hmm. The roads uh that I drive on in some cases really I uh, look almost and feel almost I imagine that it's what the surface of the moon is like as yes. far as like how, like how smooth the roads are here. Yeah. Now I have a four thousand pound car that I am respo- that I absolutely depend on to to make a living. Can I? When you have a state where all of these unsafe things are going on, can I be responsible for my own four thousand pound car that I'm dependent on? Do I need a sticker? 
from you while your bridges and tunnels are falling apart and you know the yeah. roads are damaging so i you may have to I, find you know, another area in which you can take those steps because if you're putting your job in jeopardy that doesn't seem like a very good thing to do uh, so find something else where you can refuse or non-cooperate or something that feels it's a frustrating more though comfortable the, for point, you. the point he's making yeah and i thank you for the call tonight and, and i'm glad you're here in new hampshire at least you've got some people that can back you up if you decide to do these things more on the way this is free talk live This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. Vanguard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And those features include archives, so if you missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They are all yours for free at freetalklive.com. In Chapter 6, Subterranean Tad Galahad Goes to Hell. In Hell he finds nanobots, killbots, sexbots, supermodel clones, immortality, and a rocket ride off this pale blue dot. Go to freedom-engineering.com. That's freedom-engineering.com. 800-259-9231. To the amp lines and lady callers come first. So we talk to Lisa in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Lisa. Hi. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Um, I just um, I just had a question about these Ideas are sort of new to me, these um, free market kind of ideas. Sure. And um, I just uh, graduated law school and wrote the bar exam, and I've always sort of been thinking about being a public defender. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, it was always like a a job that was um, not as bad as working for the government because it was sort of a check, like um, a check against the government, working against the state's attorney and really... Um, supporting my client. So I, I just wanted that. to know um, what your thoughts are about the judicial system being a public defender. Um, I think and, that yeah. it's uh, I think that it's fine. Um, obviously, there are people that need defending, and that would be your job. And many of them are going to be accused of crimes they didn't commit. And so I think I think that what you had in mind was certainly a noble purpose. I mean, certainly you will be working for the government, and there will be Mm -hmm. strings that come along with that and certain things about that job that will probably be undesirable. And bureaucratic. Yeah, and bureaucratic. And one of the things, uh, besides all the bureaucracy, of course, as you know, uh, most likely, that you have to swear an oath of allegiance to the state to be a, a, a lawyer, essentially, whether you're being the DA or the whatever lawyer you're being, you have to essentially swear an oath of allegiance to the state. So you can't do things like bring up jury nullification. Right. You'll be disbarred. Uh, if you bring up you right. know, questions that question the legitimacy of the system, you'll be disbarred. So to some extent, you have to play by the rules they set for you. But all that said, I still think it's a, a noble idea that you had. Uh, well, I, uh, the, thing, the point that I'd like to make on it is... As- as a public defender, um, you know, there's a there's a certain aspect of sort of jadedness that comes along. I spent eight mm-hmm. and a half years in prison, and I met a lot of good people that uh, worked as prison guards there. And, you know, over time, they get the impression that convicts suck. And the reason is convicts suck. Um, the uh, sort of you don't get your choice of people at, when you're a public defender and then you, you deal with a whole bunch of really crappy individuals. Some riffraff. Yeah. And what I'm thinking, it, it just this is just an idea, you get to do what you want with your life, <laughs> is that you could be a defense attorney, work very hard for the people that, uh, you know, pay you money to defend them, um, you know, because a lot of law- lawyers, sorry, just don't. Um, that's as a def- as a defendant. That's all you want is somebody who's going to work very hard for you. 
And secondly, you can, uh, you know, if, if you're successful enough, you can use some of that time to do uh, pro se stuff for, for people that you think are good choices. You can network with uh, groups that go into the, the jail, perhaps, and, and find the defendants or, you know, do a small amount of advertising that would, uh, you know, have people get a hold of you that would be good choices. That way you can pick people that you would be, you know, mm-hmm. happier defending rather than these it's, you know, it's not that I'm people. unhappy defending them, but that's just the thing. If I work for a private firm, say, then all the law, all the law students are attracted to work for the state's attorney, and then they get the best talent, and they end up growing bigger and bigger because no one wants to um, defend the scum of the earth. So, well, Lisa. I defend the scum of the earth even more for that reason yeah you know it, it's interesting because uh your your sentimental curve uh, right now the the position you're in uh is very similar to my brother um started his own practice general practice as an attorney here in new hampshire and um did very well in law school down at washington and lee and came into it you know the points that ian and mark have made uh, all very very valid particularly uh, I think uh, what Mark has experienced, uh, seeing that that jadedness that comes along, and what Ian mentioned about not being able to th- basically do anything that challenges the state other than work within the state. And what you find mm-hmm. as a public defender, um, I'm sure you've already spoken to people already uh, who, are, who are operating in that field, but it, it eventually becomes a negotiation process in most cases. And like Mark said... Uh, you're, you're dealing with the scum of the earth oftentimes. My brother, as a guy who was able to pick and choose his clients as a defense attorney, I think uh-huh. gained more satisfaction in it because he was able to find cases where he thought, you know what, we've got a valid claim here. We've got uh, a way to try to make things right because the state, uh, you know, I picked this one. This This is a good one. So uh, your choice, uh, we, I hate to see you get burned out because it seems like you really have the right sentiment about free markets. And also what you might want to do is let's say you go and practice in this field in, for a while and you get tired of it. See if you can go teach, teaching constitutional law and beyond. A- adding that free market aspect to a constitutional perspective is fantastic. Hmm. And Lisa, um, one, one idea here, I sort of hear your yeah. um, concern about the state's uh, attorney becoming more and more powerful. And I think that that's, uh, I think that that's an admirable way to look at it. Maybe the idea would be to uh, be a public defender for three, five, five years, some, you know, some some period of time. And then before you hate the people that you're working for, <laughs> strike out on your yeah. own, go work for, um, you know, one of these firms. Then you'll have real world experience behind you and and also have a chance to, um, you know, look at you know doing what doing what it is that you imagine doing. Yeah, I, I, th- I like that idea. I mean, not that I want to advocate anybody yeah. work for the government, but clearly this is the path you're on. And uh, I think that if you're. If you're the public defender, then there's going to be no shortage of clients that are going to be put in front of you because, in fact, that's the biggest problem with being a public defender is you're burdened with so many clients you can't pay special attention to hardly anybody. And that may be one of the reasons why many public defenders just encourage their clients to plead guilty just to get them off their their shelf and moved on. Um, So, you know, if you are working as a public defender, obviously you're going to meet a lot of people and many of these people will get picked up again in the future. So if you give them your business card with a... Uh, you know, private phone number or private email address or something like that, you could sort of build a, a recognition amongst the people that might be using your services as a private defender in the, in the future. Mm-hmm. That's just speculation on my part. I don't know much about the business. Hey, Lisa, uh, yeah. question for you. Yeah. Um, uh, these people that you see are going to, to go into big firms. To, are you thinking that if you're going to be going into private practice, it would have to be with a big firm or could you go with a smaller firm? I could go with a smaller one, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be... 
too picky. Yeah, sometimes going with a smaller firm is better, and and I, I'm sure you're going to get this impression, if especially if you're in a small locality. Um, every everybody knows each other, and when you're working in the county, mm-hmm. in the, you know, the, at the county level or the district level. Uh, you you know everybody you know the prosecutors you know the judges i mean for goodness sake i won't go into it but i was at a, a bachelor party uh for a friend of someone there were judges there were prosecutors there were strippers it was crazy it's, it's an incestuous Wait, private strippers. club i yeah. mean they all, they're yeah, all members they all of the same each club other. that's and, what the bar is and and that can yeah. that can bring great satisfaction to some people but with you with your sentiment um, it might not be the most satisfying thing. You get to know these people personally, but you can't necessarily fight the fights all out the way you want to. It, uh-huh. It's a tough call. Um, you might want to try it for a few years, like Mark says, and then uh, and then branch yeah. off, do something else. Or if you're going with a firm, go with a smaller firm. Okay. There you Thanks go, Lisa. Good luck, helpful. and let us know how it works out for you, okay? Okay. Thanks I for will. the call. Thanks. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's tough, man, discovering the liberty philosophy after having spent years training to work for the I government. Love, I love yeah. these real-world um, situations that people get into because that's how my life is. This is very cool. 800-259-9231. Alex, John, Glenn, all on the way. Your call's about anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And that number again, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those, including the wiki with over 1,700 pages created by listeners like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com. Get interactive for free. It's wiki.freetalklive.com. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. The trick to uh, keeping your uh, keeping weight off is to, well, burn as many calories in the day as you take in. Many of us have uh, sort of gotten into the pattern of eating more calories in a day than we take in, and as a result, fat storage happens. Well, you can shrink your stomach. You can shrink the amount of food that you uh, take in a day. It's just difficult. You have to deprive yourself over a period of time. Unless you take DEX-C20, then the deprivation doesn't feel like anything. I take DEX-C20 twice a day every day, and I don't feel... I don't feel like I'm uh, missing out on any meals. I'm not missing any meals, but I'm not eating as much in, per meal. You can try it, DEXC20. Uh, you can get it at Walgreens, CVS, uh, GNC, or you can go to diet.freetalklive.com. As we continue with your calls about what you want, it is Glenn in Alabama. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Glenn. Yo, what's up? Hey, what's on your mind, Glenn? Uh, let's see. I think I'll tell you about this uh, ridiculous ticket that I got the other night. Okay. Um, I'm out here in Alabama, mm-hmm. uh, originally from New York, and um, the other night I got stopped in one of those, um, what's it called, the police, when they set up the little barricade on the street, and they, they just... A dr- one of the drunk checkpoints? Oh, yeah, the checkpoints. Yeah, checkpoint. Not a drunk checkpoint, although I guess they could have busted me for that. That's usually they, the excuse they use. What, were the, what was their excuse for this checkpoint? Uh, no, it was just, it was just um, uh, stop and... Stop and stop a checkpoint. Just say hi, friendly Good. neighborhood yeah. copper. Hey, hi. How hey, how you doing? Show me your uh, documents. Yeah, okay. So um, I, I gave the guys my documents, and um, they looked them over, and they saw that I still had a, a New York driver's license. Um, 
I guess they asked me how long I'd been living in Alabama, and I'm a, I'm a graduate student in the sciences. And um, I told them, you know, I told them the truth. I told them I'd been here for several years. Yeah. What you say can be used against you. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I opened my big mouth like that. And um, and uh, so they gave me a ticket. They wrote me up for having for having a New York State driver's license. And what does and, that ticket uh, entail? I mean, what are the alleged punishments or costs involved? It's, you know, it's just like any other ticket you'd get where it's, uh, it's, it has little boxes. It's filled out. It, mm-hmm. it says go to court if you want. Uh, the main thing is I told the officer, I'm like, look, I'm, I'm a graduate student here. I'm, I'm probably going to be out of here in the next couple of months. Um, <laughs> you know, and my, and my New York identity is kind of still precious to me, even though I've been living here for a while. So yeah. I didn't, don't want to quite give that up. Um, so what do you want to do know? about this? I, I guess I, I guess I have to go to court. Uh, I'm a little bit unsure about you know if, if you guys have any strategic advice for me, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> my strategic my st- strategy would be um, when they ask you the question, "How long have you lived in Alabama?" The the um, I would take the Bill Clinton approach and say, "Define lived." lived. Right. Yeah. That's what yeah, I would. Because I went home on vacation a couple times, right? I don't right. know. Right. Well, I mean, you know, right. my par- my parents live yeah. in New York. Uh, my, all my friends live in New York. I'm here at graduate school. I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm patronizing one of your fine universities down yeah. here in Alabama. And likely, when I'm done, I'm gonna go back to New York. God well, bless you, people. We've I'm actually here. We've actually got a new forum, a sub forum over on the Freekeen forum at forum.freekeen.com, where a lot of this sort of discussion is going on about how to interact with bureaucrats. And uh-huh. uh, there are some great videos by the anti-terrorist that I've linked to there. And there are, of course, a lot of opinions, a lot of ideas, and much of it is very, very untested. And so the, the basic idea, though, is if you are answering questions, you're losing. And if you're asking questions, you're then right. you're not losing as bad. <laughs> because any time you contact a bureaucrat, you're going to lose. Any time they, they come into contact with you, whether it's via mail or on the street or whatever, you're going to lose time. You possibly will lose money. At the very least, you'll lose your, your precious time. You're never going to get that back. Um, okay, I'll try, asked, to, I'll try to keep them guessing in that case. Well, you've already gotten the ticket at this point, so now you have to deal with, with that situation. When's the court date set for? Uh, it's it's like in a couple. It's like in a week or two. It's like the nineteenth. All right, week or two. I take yeah. it from that tact that I, you know, when I talked to the officer, lived might have been the, uh, you know, like he said, lived. I figured, well, lived. I, you know, but in thinking about it, Your Honor, um, I I really define lived. I'm only here going to school. I, you know, I'm a student. Well, and also you can ask about the obligation, uh, which I think is a pretty powerful approach to basically suggest that. Where is the? I'd be happy to pay this fine. Okay, I accept your fine conditionally uh, upon the condition that you prove my obligation to obey your laws, to obey this requirement that I. I can't even believe that's a requirement. It seems it's just it's ridiculous. Oh, it's a a typical requirement here in New Hampshire. It's uh, it was on the voters registration form that said I agree to obey all New Hampshire's laws, especially the law that says I must. Register my vehicle and get a you know driver's license within a New Hampshire driver's license within 60 days of moving here. And you know everybody just mindlessly signs that when they sign the voter's registration form. Though I think they might have taken it out of there at this point. But I crossed that sucker out and they sent uh, crossed it out, initialed the you know the cross out so they knew it was me that did it. And they sent an investigator out to my house to ask me <laughs> questions about it. And I didn't have to talk to him obviously, but uh, you never have to talk to these people. 
But I did tell, you know, he asked me why I did it, and I said, well, how could I possibly have agreed to that statement? I don't, I'm not going to read all your laws, so I'm certain I can't know what they are, so how could I possibly agree to obey them? It's, physical, it's a physical impossibility. And, yeah, then, they, and then you come at from the, uh, the approach of, well, I'll be happy to pay this fine, presuming you show me the obligation that was created upon me, the signed document that shows that I agreed to your system. And if you, you you have to be willing to face whatever sort of cold jail cell they're going to put you in yeah, for I taking this position. Yeah, I get more than I bargained for with uh, that approach. I'm not sure I'm going to take that. Well, I, I do want to get out of here. <laughs> well, you know, in that in that case, then you can just pay up and you know be a good little citizen and give them the I money. I don't think they want. you have to jump. I, I don't think just because you uh, you you don't take uh, Ian's uh, you know tact of your court system's illegitimate. I'm well, going to ask you a bunch of questions their, to minute. prove it. If you that accept you, their that legitimacy, it says please it, 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 that it. it Immediately says that you have to to roll over. You know they've they've got uh, stuff. You, you know you've got a pretty good position being a student. Yeah. You are going I would in for like a hearing, to consider right? Consider just the common sense argument, like, hey. I'm only here for for, for temporary. Let me stop you there. Moment, Let me stop you there. There is no point in arguing with bureaucrats. I would suggest that you go to adventuresinlegalland.com and take a look at what Mark Stevens has has written. He will point out that when you make an argument in front of a judge, the judge will say, "Well, that's your interpretation, frivolous, overruled, or whatever," and he'll just roll right over top of you. And the reason for that is because when you go in, you're going in for what is called a, an arraignment or a hearing, I presume, to allegedly plead. This is such po- Poppycock. Listen, there is absolutely a What's point. Poppycock? What you are saying, the crap coming out of your mouth. Um, you telling me a judge is not going to say your argument's frivolous? No, he's overruled? not necessarily going to say that. The fact is, there's plenty of opera times when you talk to bureaucrats, you present your side, they say, okay, I mean, have you had your property taxes uh, reduced by the town of uh, the, the city of Keene? Yeah. Okay. Did you talk to those bureaucrats and you got what you wanted? Well, there's a process so there's that a they point. are following. Right, there's, the, there's a they point have this in pro- talking. All, he's, they, all he wants is a silly yeah, ticket tossed, tossed out. I understand that, Mark. All I'm telling you is if you agree to their system, then you agree to play by their rules. And that means they can do whatever the hell they want to you. Mar- what Mark is saying is true. There are the occasional instances where the government will let you slide on something. But the government is more interested in extracting money and obedience from you. So Mark's option isn't really going to get most people somewhere. It's There's just a a small chance of what Mark says will work. I'm not guaranteeing anything about what I'm saying at all. It, my my option could end you up in a well, you know you're a kind cold of jail. Talking about martyring, you're kind of talking about martyring myself for for this for this cause, which is kind of trivial, right? Well, is if it's but, trivial, then why are you calling us? Um. Good point. Uh, you're calling you because you yeah. don't want to jump. You're I'm calling sorry. with this issue because you don't want to jump through their because, hoops and really get their driver's license. Yeah, he doesn't want to end go, up in jail either. I don't want to go in. It's like my time is valuable, and it really pisses me off that I have to go in there and sit in court and do go through all the rigmarole for something so stupid. Well, here's and what I would recommend you do. Go to the forum at uh, the, the uh, Interacting with Bureaucrats subforum at forum.freekeen.com. Myself and Sam and some others are hanging out there, and we're talking about these things. You could actually send them a notice in advance of the trial and uh, possibly try some things before even having to go to court. But again, that also will take you time. So uh, hang on. Let me bring you back here for a little more discussion. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you. 
That's 800-259-9231, and it is Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free. Enjoy them on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. You like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live? Then become an amplifier for as little as three bucks a month. What we do is we take that money and reinvest it into the show, getting on as many radio stations around the, the world and around the country as possible. And we also bring new Internet listeners on board with the AMP program. So go to amp.freetalklive.com and learn more also about our changes that we've recently made to the AMP program. Uh, we were going to, at the $10,000 mark, we're at around thirty-eight, thirty-seven hundred right now but at the ten thousand dollar mark uh we were going to announce some secrets and we still are there's still some things that we uh, we're going to keep under wraps but we've let one of the secrets one of the cats out of the bag wow. a little early and it's thanks to our friend jason osborne at SACL cai he has helped accelerate jason. this process behind the scenes and the one of the secrets is that we were planning on getting as as much worldwide distribution as we possibly could and that means uh, worldwide satellite distribution so our listeners over in europe our listeners in australia and wherever else in the world will be able to pull down free talk live Preferably, that's what we're planning on is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, in their location with a, a very affordable satellite dish and receiver. Of course, it could also mean that people could rebroadcast it. They could stream it uh, if they wanted to. They could get an FM or AM or shortwave transmitter or something like that and rebroadcast that way in their home countries. And so it would essentially feed uh, signal to everybody around the world. That's kind of the idea. It's going to cost some money, and so that's what... We're trying to raise a little bit of extra money it's a for great it. Great plan. So that's I was hoping idea. that that would excite people into, wow, that's a pretty cool idea. So I love the idea of yeah. uh, you know pirate stations popping up all over the world. Not in America. We wouldn't want to compete with those <laughs> <laughs> FCC affiliates. But uh, you know, all, all over. Well, the bad commies like Russia and, and India and, and the things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of one of the things we've got uh, right now that we're working on. And there's more detail there at amp.freetalklive.com. It's one of the things that I'm pretty excited about. And of course, the, I think the, the first question that somebody's going to ask is, well, what, what the hell do you need that for? You've already got an Internet feed. What, the, what are you talking about? Why yeah. do you need this? You've got Internet. And the reason is because not everybody has the Internet. Uh, there are still a lot of people here in America that don't have the Internet. And I know that some people would say, well, too bad. You should leave them behind. I don't agree with that. I think that everybody needs to hear the message of freedom. I think it's relevant to everyone's lives, lives and I think uh, that having that satellite channel that anybody can pull down for a one-time equipment purchase can be very, very valuable in places where Internet access is spotty, where Internet access is only dial-up, where you don't have Internet or many, you can't afford it. Many places in the world, that or is you, so. Or you can't afford the monthly payments. With, uh, with the satellite option we're talking about, you invest once in a receiver and a dish, and you've got coverage forever. I mean, there's no, sat- there's no fee. It's not like Sirius or XM. And it allows people that are very interested in it to, um, you know, in Free Talk Live to, to set up their own little transmitter, and then anybody with a radio could do it. Exactly. So go to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about what we've got in mind and get on board because there's all kinds of other reasons to amp besides helping Free Talk Live get distributed. You're also going to get access to the amp-only chat room, the amp-only call-in lines, the uh, amp-only forum, and more. Get all the details and get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com. As we continue with your calls, Glenn is still on the line. And, Glenn, you're in Alabama going to school. You've been down there for a number of years. Yeah, I think this is my fifth year. You're actually getting ready to leave. 
leave after you graduate here shortly, but just in time, the police pulled you over and decided to hand you a ticket because you told them, unfortunately, you told them you'd been living in Alabama, and, uh, you know, it's it's practice. I'm smart, but I'm a moron. Well, no, you don't, no, no, that's not true. It, It takes practice to learn how to deal with these people. They are very authoritative, they're very intimidating, and it takes practice to learn how to bounce questions back at these folks. You, and, you know what? You know what he said though. Hmm. He, he, okay, it was a, it was a special sting where they had like the the, the the one of the big head cop guys, like the sheriff there, and he said that he had to give me a ticket because his boss was there. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, right. Well, that's, that's the thing say. Yeah, that, that's fine. You know, that's what they have to do. They got to write their tickets because it's all about revenue generation. It's not about keeping anybody safe, obviously. And in this case, yeah. it's also about obedience. But you've Friggin already gotten a ticket. You'd rather not go to court, and you'd certainly rather not jump through all these hoops that Alabama's going to put up for you to try to get their license just so you can move back to New York or yeah. wherever else you're going to move to and, uh, you know, then have to change it again or whatever. So, yeah, I know. That's, that's the point. I don't want to change my license and then... What, what a pain in the butt. So Mark yeah. is suggesting sort of the standard appeal of going in, consenting to the system, and then essentially bowing down before the, uh, the mercy of the court and hoping the judge will you know, make it all go away I don't for see you. that as bowing down. I see making your argument clearly. It is bowing down because it's their system and you're consenting to it. You're going to be going into an, an arraignment, which is where you basically you will be pleading. Is that correct? You'll be, you'll be, they'll want you to make a plea. They're not guilty or no contest or guilty. I, that's, I imagine a room filled with, you know, sorted char- characters and, um, you know, <laughs> uh, express, uh, express hearings, some kind of arraignment, yeah. Right, so that's where, uh, there, and there's different tactics we can talk about here, but I've actually got Sam from Texas on the line here. We're going to bring him oh, on uh, to right. get a little, little consulting with, uh, with Sam in Texas, the, the man expert. who has the most experience in dealing with these bureaucrats and consenting, or rather withdrawing consent from the system. Sam, you're on with Glenn in, uh, in Alabama. Sam, yeah, Sam, I've seen your videos. You've got cojones, man. I, I like that. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so, Glenn, in your case, the first thing you want to do is go get a really big camera and bring it with you. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, don't do that. Um, it, I was listening to, to kind of your story, and the word that kept popping into my head is sojourn, which is a temporary resident or a, a temporary period of residence, which is okay. really describing your situation. Okay, I'm writing that down, sojourn. So now I think what... If you don't want to try and, you know, question the legitimacy of the court, the thing to really stand on is to to make that statement. And the judge will probably try and trick you by saying something like, okay, so you're living here temporarily? And if you answer that, guess what you're doing? I'm incriminating myself. Yeah, incriminating yourself and agreeing that you were, in fact, living in the state, even though you said you were sojourning. So if he tries to ask anything to reinterpret it or, you know, just repeat his question or rephrase it, you need to come back with, I'm sojourning here. Uh, the outside of that, I mean, you can go in and question kind of the, the cause and the, uh, the, there may be rules that require an oath to be signed in and, and sworn in before the ticket um, is filed. And, and in order to have a valid ticket, it just depends on uh, the state. And I, I don't know that much about Florida. That's Alabama. He's in, he's in oh, Alabama. But, Alabama. So, so that's a good suggestion for if you are going to go, in, go ahead, and, and that would be after you plead not guilty. See, and, Ian, and go to, the, the guy didn't... Well, did, actually, Ian, I wouldn't even do that because you, you're there really to ensure that it's a valid complaint before you even enter a plea. So these are questions that you can ask beforehand. Ah. 
Ah, all and, right. And and Sam, uh, what about the fact that he's a legal uh, and uh, you know I use that term uh, unfortunately because I have to a legal resident of another state? Can he employ that in any way when he goes into this courtroom situation to challenge their uh, their accusation against him? Uh, I would. I don't know about that. I mean, anything that you admit is going to be used against you. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking you probably be safer just saying here's my position i'm sojourning and stick to that and not you don't want to like give them extra information that they can turn around and find some other way to charge you or use against you you really just want to pick a position that you know here's the facts that i'm stating and then see what they do to uh try and defeat it and, and, okay so i'm oh. going to act like this is a common sense type of thing i'm just going to say like no i'm sojourning here what what is uh like, I'm just going to lay it out like I'm in the right and, you know, and just say as little as possible, right? So you're you're actually, Sam, you're suggesting he not even get to the point of the plea, sort of like a Mark Stevens or the approach that you had tried before, where you go in and you, you basically say, uh, in, in this case, so I didn't understand what it was the, the police officer was asking me that night, and I, I think I incorrectly uh, gave him some incorrect information. I'm actually in, uh, not, not oh, living here, but... Hmm? I wouldn't even admit that. I would just say, Judge, um, I, I, I'm ready to enter a plea, but I, I need to make sure that this is a valid complaint, and I've got a couple questions about that I want to ask you beforehand just to make sure I understand this. Now, let's say let's say you're in the chess game now, and he mentions that he's a sojourner. He's sojourning here. Uh, if the uh, judge asks him, uh, could you define that for me, What would you, uh, how would you respond, Sam? I look up the uh, definition beforehand. I, I'm a... I'm here for a brief period of residence. Uh, temporary traveler through these through this area or something. Right, these murky waters. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then um, and then uh, if they ask him, "Are you ready to make a plea?" Then how would he respond? Go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would go over too well. Uh, I guess it depends on which way you want to go. Um, not guilty if you believe that the complaint itself is invalid, and you're going to challenge that through the system. That, that's the plea you'd want to enter, and then you'd want to start filing all of the paperwork to go after it. Good luck, Glenn. Let us know what happens. And, uh, Sam, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate right, thanks, the advice. Brother. And uh, don't forget to head over to forum.freekeen.com, maybe continue the discussion there. Hour three. This program is brought to you by freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark, join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy them all on us as we continue with your phone calls about whatever you want. And we'll start things out this hour by going to Alex in New Jersey on the AMP line. You're on Free Talk Live, Alex. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Have you ever heard of crypto anarchism? Yeah. What is that? Is it crypto? Doesn't that mean fake? Fake crypto anarchism? is like crypto, hidden. It's like uh, what we're planning to use is a uh, public cryptography to enforce privacy and individual freedom. Okay, run that so, by me again. What's it? What's, what crypto now? anarchy? What, what, 
what you would have is you would have, uh, instead of contracts based on your signature on paper, you would have smart contracts that are signed on a computer and that are mathematically impossible to reproduce without your permission. Hmm. Sounds like a neat idea. So what you would do is you would have uh, two keys. You would have a public key and a private key. The uh, private key would be used to decrypt uh, information and also uh, create signatures. And the public key would be used to encrypt messages to you and validate your signatures. So then you could uh, create your own little uh, online identity, and then you could build up a reputation from that. Uh, And then, you know, the Internet would be... uh, more of a cipher space instead of a cyberspace. Um, and I think that that's really where uh, anarcho-capitalism is going to move to mm. when uh, things are starting to be done more on the Internet and um, there are going to be less paper contracts going around. So I think this is something that we should really look into um, yeah. when we start building our free society. I think, it's a, I think it's a great point. As long as you don't give anybody else your private key, you're relatively secure, right? Right, right. And, uh, you know, you, you, this stuff even exists today. You know, whenever I send a, a, an email out to people, it's, it always has my uh, my signature at the bottom for that particular message. And uh, at the signature, that is, the, the data in that signature depends on what is written. And, it can, and it's only valid for what is actually written. So it would be impossible to forge what I write. So, you know, this, this software is available uh, today. It's called uh, PGP, and there's an open source version of it called uh, GPG, the new privacy guard. Oh, so you're, you're talking about uh, it started with pretty good privacy, and it's moved on now. Right, right. Yeah. And I, I think it's a wonderful idea, and I think that um, people in our movement should be using it more because, you know, with uh, with the government trying to uh, falsify, any you know, documents, you know, now we can have a little our own document trail, and then we can have more proof because it is uh, mathematically impossible to uh, to fake these signatures. That's great. That way, somebody can't just master your signature or cut and paste or scan it in and print it out or something like that. So I think it's uh, it's a good idea, especially if you can figure out a, a way to make a profit at doing this. Uh, that would be even better if you could like turn this into a career for yourself and actually, oh, you know, well, yeah. And- there are companies that do that. You look at um, VeriSign and Thoughty. These companies are, uh, they give out SSL certificates. SSL stands for Secure Socket Layer. And uh, what they would do is they would verify your identity by looking at, you know, your government papers. And then they would sign your key. And then when you, when you sign a message, you now have this, um, this certificate chain, and it goes up the list. So you have a what's known as a web of trust. But you're talking and, uh, about a web of trust that doesn't involve a government ID as the basis, right? Right. What it would be is it would be a private corporation that would validate who you are, and then people would trust that corporation to say, yes, this per- this corporation is a legitimate corporation, and I trust the uh, the signatures. That are uh, that are made. I think it's a great idea, Alex, and I know there are other people that are actually involved in this right now. I know that our very own Michael Hampton from HomelandStupidity.us is uh, is on the case on this very issue, and he's been posting over at NHFree.com on the forums there about his ideas to create 
private identification systems and that are based on this web of trust idea. And I'm sure he'd love to hear from you as far as what, what sort of uh, things you could help him with or maybe you want to compete with him. I don't know. But there's definitely some people up here in New Hampshire yeah. that are looking at doing this. Michael's and I, a, a uh, yeah. really bright guy. And the, the one thing that I think uh, would be something to make sure you express to people is those people who are afraid of things like Verichip's chip um, the the RFID uh, fears that many people have that make sure that this is uh, clearly not some sort of branch that would connect with that for people later on because you're going to want this to be portable you're going to want it so that it's not readable so that so people can't get your encryption so it's going to have to be something that's uh, done very carefully thanks Alex for the call tonight appreciate it eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one as we continue Cliff is on the line in Florida also on the amp line hello Cliff hey morning fellas how are you doing tonight what's Good. on your mind all right, on my mind tonight is Live Station. I don't know if you guys ever heard of it before. Live Station? Yeah. I have not. What is it? All right, what it is is an online service, basically, that you can uh, basically watch TV online, you know, kind of thing. Okay. And okay. what it allows you to do is it allows, it allows you to create channels. All right, so what I did is I, I hooked up um, your, uh, your web stream to Live Station. So basically right now, people can watch you or actually listen to you on Live Station. So this, it's not just TV, it's also audio as well? Exactly. So they don't get a video. They're not getting a video signal, but they can listen to the audio. Exactly. And actually, if you had like a looping, a looping video signal all day, I think you could actually loop the show on their, on their service. And you have, wow. you have like a lot of uh, different stations on there. You have like Foxes, you have ABCs, NBCs, et cetera. So you guys can actually be, uh, be somewhere where like, People can actually get, it, get a lot better access of you guys. Cool. So you actually managed to plug us in there, and I don't have to go into anything. You've, you've already basically set us up, though, right? Well, actually, I need some help because right now it's only um, the audio is only available on the website. So if you want to get the um, if you want to get the audio on the actual live live service, um, the little I guess the, the little program that comes with it, you guys would need to change something on this. So anybody who's text I would just go to LiveStation.com, look for a free talk live, and see if you can fix it. Okay, cool. I'll, uh, I'm making a note right now, Cliff. I appreciate the heads up on that. Anything else on your mind? No, nah, that's everything for tonight, guys. Cool, dude. Thanks for the call. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the uh, the always looking for new ways to distribute the program. Yeah. So we'll see what that's all about. Especially the free ones. Sounds intriguing. Yeah, absolutely. So we continue here with, uh, let's see, Dustin is on the line in Washington. You are on Free Talk Live with Ian Gard and Mark. Oh, hey, guys. Hey, Dustin. Um, hey, Dustin. Hey. What's on Got your me? mind? Oh, um, yeah, I was just going to call about ID. That's weird that the guy, the guy ahead of me just called and talked about that. I was just I was just thinking what would happen if everyone in the United States would just destroy all their IDs, like their passports, their IDs, their birth certificates, and all of that. Like, well, you'd have a hard security. time. I, I think you'd probably have a hard time depositing a check or whatever or withdrawing money from your bank account and stuff like that because – there are a lot of people that really do. I mean, they, the the businesses, business models that that having proper identification for is very, very important to those people running those businesses and to the clients as well. So I don't think that would be a very good idea. I, I think it would damage the government in some way. How like, would that? I, I don't. Would, I don't think the people need to have an ID to be a, a human being in this country. No, I. I, I, I see. You need a piece of paper to. To be a physical you entity don't. in this country. It's true, but if you do want to engage in the sort of convenient systems that have been set up, like the banking system and things like that, 
then you will need to have some sort of identification. So, yes, you could get away well, with cutting up your ID and kind of living like a, a a hermit, basically, and not interact with any of the common systems. You could use of, the thing that the guy that just called talked about. Well, it needs to be in place. Right, right. 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 You have to have something to transition to. I thought you were just suggesting everybody cut up their ID and that you know then we'd get to whatever is coming next. But you have to have something to transition over to, and I think that's what people like Alex and, and Michael Hampton are, are working on, is coming up with an alternative ID, mm-hmm. an ID that's based in the marketplace, that's based on you, exactly. uh, something that's actually more secure, something that's actually better identifying than the government identification, and uh, you know basically marketing that idea and putting it out there and saying, hey, you should use our ID, it's better, and here's why, and then having people, yeah. instead of just cutting up their government ID cards, just transitioning uh-huh. over as they found out that the private identification is working better. And really, private ID can be a hell of a lot better. It's just that no one has ever taken the entrepreneurial effort to go and do it before. And, and I think that we're going to see something. I know Michael Hampton has mentioned within the next couple of years, uh, starting up here in New Hampshire, we may see the, the genesis of this private identification. And I thank you for the call. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. I know I'm an early, I'd be an early adopter. Come out with a private ID. I'll, I'll, I'll get one of them. Absolutely. I think it's a great idea. I think it's interesting. All right, 800-259-9231. Bring up what you want. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. You dial toll-free to one 800 259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features, they are free, so enjoy those. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for accessing their site. Ours is free at freetalklive.com. And the features include live streams. We've got a broadband version and dial-up version of the show. Both are free for you at freetalklive.com. SACL CAI is the uh, main sponsor of Free Talk Live, and I would encourage you to... Have your friends and family and, and yourself, if you have a business, uh, patronize them. They are a uh, upstanding collections company that doesn't break people's knees in order to get their money. That's uh, SACL CAI. You can check out their banner at uh, freetalklive.com, SACL CAI. All right, 800-259-9231 is the number. I promised this story Saturday night. We never got to it. And then, Mark, you'll have to decide whether or not you want to do the uh, the email that you have about our viewpoints or the prisoner dilemma. So make that decision. In the meantime, uh, we talk about this story from the Daily Newscaster about what happened to some of the Ron Paul delegates. Today at the Republican National Convention, this written last week, obviously, as the Ron Paul delegates who are taking a picture in front of the model White House inside the convention center, they were surrounded by Secret Service which proceeded to search the bags of all the delegates. Now, you might be thinking, the Secret Service, there could have been a, you know, possibly a, a credible threat to the, one of the presidential candidates, uh, McCain or something like that, and so they thought that maybe they needed to just search people to make sure that everything was safe. Right? I mean, that's what the Secret Service is for, is protecting presidential candidates and the president and things like that, right. as I understand it, at least. So that's what you would think the Secret Service would be doing. Oh, we'll just, we're just checking to make sure you get some guns and, you know, make sure everything's safe. Well, turns out they took anything and everything related to Ron Paul, including signs, buttons, videos, Slim Jims, cards, and even books. 
Alternate Delegate Dennis Rothacker from Florida said, We were done taking the picture when Secret Service started walking into the room and surrounded us. There were about 30 of them. When they searched my bags, they took my Ron Paul sign and turned a deaf ear to my complaints. They just walked away. Yeah, Secret Service not big on the uh, customer service angle, I, I would imagine. But, but they've got service in their name. <laughs> you know, this is the part of this that I don't understand is you imagine the Secret Service as being a very uh, bipartisan, you know, uh, unilateral sort of uh, uh, organization. If 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 the uh, if Bob Barr, the Libertarian candidate, managed to get to, to win the election, you know, the Secret Service would guard him as well as they guard either the Republicans or the Democrats, and it just doesn't make any sense to me that the Secret Service would be involved in, in this. In particular, when you when you see that, that piece there, when you see what one of the Secret Service guys says to someone, I know you're probably going to get to it, Ian, you think, boy, if I'm not on that side, let's say that Obama's people win or something, and I've got these Secret Service guys working for me, uh, I wonder how much they're going to be protecting me as strongly as they would protect McCain. Mm-hmm. Because uh, what do they say at a certain point, Ian? They say, this is McCain country here or something like that. Yep, that's coming up here. Uh, Delegate Ron Warner from Fairbanks in Alaska added that he was walking into the convention center with about 15 Revolution Manifesto books, 20 DVDs for delegates, 20 Ron Paul buttons, and a handful of other things when he was stopped by security, which called on an obviously important higher-up who directed all the materials to be confiscated. She told him, and I quote, You can't bring that in here. This is McCain territory. Unbelievable. And you know what and gets that's me? The, that's just the line. And this these, is McCain territory. These people, uh, you know, a lot of people, when you first read it at first blush, you're thinking, oh, these are people who are at the Ron Paul event, and then they went over. No, these, these are were delegates. delegates. Exactly. These were delegates who came from states to be delegates for Ron Paul. So, Well, did you hear the, the story about these delegates? They oh, yeah. supposedly all voted for McCain. you got to be kidding me. I, I don't have that story in front of me. I think I saw it on the Lou Rockwell blog. I could use some confirmation on that. Wow. But apparently they totally gave it all up and voted for McCain. Well, Not thought, every one of them, but a lot of them did. Really? Okay. Well, I, I thought you were going to say some of those reports about uh, how they were saying the, the theme of the, can, of, the, uh, of the convention was the four-country thing, even before... Uh, McCain came out with his great story about being trapped in Vietnam. What, now, what's this, Gardner? Can you tell that? Yeah, yeah. Well, what happened was uh, when I was watching this uh, this convention speech that McCain, you know, I'm rolling audio on it and I'm picking out various selections. And obviously he, he gave this incredibly heartfelt uh, section of his speech towards the last third of it about his experience as a prisoner of war. Wink, sure, because wink. elections are all about appealing to emotions. Exactly. And You're getting logic. emotion and emotional. And it, it it's very difficult to listen to. I mean, the guy was tortured and it was a terrible thing. Uh, so he said that there were some soldiers there, some American soldiers who helped pull him through when he was broken. And, and, and he said, when I went in, I was a real, you know, self, uh, self-righteous sort of guy. I was my own guy. I was, a, you know, I would do reckless things and, you know, everything was about me and, and that sort of thing. And, and he said, in the end of this, this speech, he goes through how he was, he was beaten badly, did all these different types of things. And he said, and these guys helped pull me through. And he says, and you know what? In the end, I was a transformed man. I was no longer my own man. I belonged to my country. Oh, boy. And that's where this thing was leading. So it was all leading towards service for country, this sort of Teutonic, Germanic, right. fascistic. You don't own yourself. 
You are not as you. important as the state. Yeah. Exactly. The fatherland. Exactly. And that, I, and I, I bet he got stunned. rousing applause on that, Everybody, too, right? Everybody, people were teared up. And so, I'll bet you they were, you know, at a Republican convention, I bet some of those people were standing, so excited, jumping up and down and clapping that they peed themselves. It was, I mean, it, I swear to God, yeah, that's the kind of could have made some, some money there. You know, it was it was amazing. So so I brought it up, and I How went... How Hitlerian is this? It was I mean, amazing. This is so disturbing. Well, I don't know. You don't want to you don't want to necessarily mix Hitler and fascism together, although, you know, certainly Hitler was a fascist. But, Totalitarian, right. yeah. state-worshipping. I mean, remember, Hitler gassed Jews. Mussolini and Franco, no Jews involved, just as fascists. So you want to leave sort of the Nazi yeah. and the fascist, mm-hmm. you want to split those as much as you okay. can. Well, How it, fascist it, is this? And, How sick? And, and, and the thing about it that strikes me, Ian, is, is it wasn't until after I did Friday's show that I was uh, scooting around on the internet and... I I had received this information about what happened at the convention to the Ron Paul delegates, and then I went a little further down at uh, into some of the other entries, whether they were responses or, or whatever, on that particular website, mm-hmm. and I I saw something that, and you and I discussed this a little bit, uh, that struck me as strange because uh, dated before Ron Paul's speech, people were saying McCain's speech. I mean McCain's speech. Yes, uh, people were saying that the theme of this thing was for country or or, or Something like that. It's in there. And I thought, wow, that's kind of strange. So his whole thing of how he did this for country was a theme. They actually had signs made before his speech. And then at Sheldon Richmond's blog, SheldonRichmond.com, Sheldon had noticed the same thing before this speech. And so what I realized was that the whole thing was premeditated and that it was he his transformational thing from a selfish man who belonged to himself to a guy who belonged to his country was a premeditated public relations ploy mm-hmm. that they had started days before all is very orchestrated. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. that these things are orchestrated. That makes perfectly good sense then to me. And it all dovetails right into this whole push for national service or right. national slavery because both McCain and, and Obama, Obama. Yep. are going to be at uh, this September 11th oh, summit national service on national service. They're going to both be there speaking and I'm sure lavishing praise on the entire idea. Maybe McCain will bring that thing up again about, oh, I was, now I'm part of my country. Or what was it? What was the phrase he used? I, I'm not even my, I, I'm not I, even I, man. I no longer belong to myself. I belong to my country. Belong to my country. Right. And so we want you to belong to your country, too. Sign up for national service. And since I'm the president, I am the country, and you belong to me, (laughs) Mofo. This is what's coming next. Whether it's McCain or Obama, this is the direction that things are going to go in, is sort of turning everyone into a bureaucrat. More on the way, this is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number for you is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, uh, freetalklive.com, and those features include updates. Get signed up. We'll let you know when you need to know something fresh about Free Talk Live. Go to updates.freetalklive.com and get on that list for free. That's updates dot freetalklive.com and travel less and meet online. Try WebEx free.
free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600 to start your free trial of WebEx. That's WebEx, W-E-B-E-X.com. Use promo code 600 and start your free trial of WebEx today. So last week we talked, and the week before that, we talked about the police state uh, in its exist and and how it is it was existing outside of the Democratic National Convention and the Republican National Convention and all the awful things that the police were doing to people, but we didn't really find out too much about what was going on inside because well I didn't really care. But when I found out about what happened to the people that were there supporting Ron Paul, I thought it was worth talking about on the program, and that's what we're discussing right now about how and this kind of ties into this sort of overarching discussion I've been having on the show about how it is I just don't think anything, especially at the federal level is ever going to happen through the political process as far as getting government cut down in size or anything like that. Well, it's just not, not going to work. Um, uh, electing people, I, I think, is, is it's going to be difficult. You get a zero-sum game involved, and uh, you know people are uh, people are more likely to try, try to uh, get rid of you know vote for the lesser of two evils than they are for the the, the good candidate. I don't just yeah. mean electing people. I mean all politics at the national level. And I'll give you another example of that, something that doesn't even have anything to do with electing people. But let's talk a little bit more about what happened to the Ron Paul delegates that were attending the Republican National Convention. These are people that you know they had. Their credentials they were there as delegates to this convention and they had their stuff stolen by secret service agents people were coming up agents were coming up to these people searching their bags and taking everything that was related to ron paul books signs handouts buttons anything ron paul related was being confiscated and don't forget ian to give people an idea of the sentiment of what what it was like there Ron Paul, a guy with plenty of delegates going into that convention, was not offered an opportunity to speak, had to hire out his own convention hall across the river, Mm -hmm. fills it with 18,000 people who are not big money people on the whole, tied into big parties and not all, you know, functionaries. And who do they allow to speak at the Republican convention? People like Fred Thompson, people like Rudy Mm -hmm. Giuliani, people like um, other people like uh, Senator Lindsey Graham. Now, Fred Thompson and Rudy did not get as many delegates as Ron Paul got. Yeah, Ron Paul uh, cleaned Rudy's clock in exactly. a few of the primaries. Exactly, and, and Fred Thompson bowed out early, but they get to speak. But Ron Paul, who's actually speaking about the Constitution, bringing our troops back from the you know, 140 bases that they got around the, country, around the world, uh, he's not allowed. So some you of know, other- and this is the part about this that, that is the most disgusting is the Republican and Democratic national conventions receive a great deal tax of, of tax dollars, and the fact is all those Ron Paul people are likely taxpayers, and they deserve to be able to support their candidate at the Republican national well, no, convention. Mark, it I'm is sorry. not McCain country, country first. It's the Republican country national first. convention. What country are you talking first. about? Country, country first. first. I paid my damn taxes, country and I want to support first. my candidate. Yeah, country. The first, country Mark. does you, come first. I just what I want. I want the democratic process that we were promised <laughs> in civics class. I want to be able to vote Look, for whom I wish McCain's to be able to the vote candidate. For. Country first. Country first. <laughs> I don't know what you're first. talking about. Well, this is their new. This is their That's new the slogan. slogan. Right. For well, the, this, they, they're repeating what, this mantra that makes no damn sense. No. This is oh, McCain it makes country. Sense. Oh, you know, no, the, no, it makes was sense. Was it the McCain convention? Um, if it was Mark, the McCain convention, they should have had a damn McCain convention. It was the McCain convention, and you weren't held prisoner as a prisoner of. Oh, it wasn't a declared as a prisoner of something. It, uh, you weren't held, so it, you wouldn't understand. I just don't understand. It, I don't it understand does make now. sense, Mark, because this is the continuing path down the road to 
true totalitarian statism to uh, get people to believe that the Republicans a decade ago would have you know would have said oh i'm all for the individual i'm all for you know uh the, the free market i, I think that uh, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you know all these sort of typical republican statements they would have spouted back in the 90s for instance now it's all about the nation it's about the homeland uh, country first that's what some of the signs were that's what the signs it, were all over the place yeah. at the uh, the republican convention and it's going down that road of getting people to think again about the nation and the government and what government thinks is right and what's best first and put their individual needs aside, which is exactly what John McCain was saying, as you had cited earlier, Gardner. And in fact, the Ron Paul people had signs of their own that they were attempting to hold up. And we'll tell you more about those here in a moment. But just a few more examples of some of the oppression and suppression that was going on at this Republican convention at the hands of the Secret Service. Some of the activists there, uh, the delegates for Ron Paul, were reporting being openly followed by the Secret Service. He says they'd been monitored from the beginning of the convention, and now they're being shadowed constantly. Again, this is written as as the convention was happening. Uh, this, again, from DailyNewscaster.com. There are also reports of delegates being approached by security and told they will be summarily thrown out if they leave their assigned chair. Jeez. The alarm was sounded at 6.07 Eastern. How East- can you throw out a delegate oh, to the Republican National Convention you that's been elected by the people? When a text message was hurriedly sent from the convention floor by Republican delegate Dennis Rothhacker to Boris in Miami saying, We just had a group shot of all the Republican delegates and alternates. The Secret Service came and started searching everyone and took anything Ron Paul related. We did get it on video, though. No link at this point. I have not seen that yet. Mm. Republican delegates again report being shadowed. Uh, and since the beginning of the convention, followed the following the confiscation of their political materials, they're now being surveilled openly with an agent assigned to each delegate. When one of the delegates asked if they could retrieve their property after the convention, the stuff that was stolen from them, they were told no. Not satisfied with that answer, the delegate tried to follow the agent to make additional inquiries. He was told his action or this action was causing a disturbance, and a security agent was told to stay with him for the rest of the evening. For their safety, the Ron Paul delegation have decided to stick together as a group while approaching the media with their story. Despicable. They always have witnesses. That's incredible. McCain delegates have approached Ron Paul delegates throughout the day in attempts to separate them from their all-important delegate credentials. Adam Weingold, a delegate from Minnesota, reported he'd been approached at least five times by other Republican delegates supporting McCain who had asked him to borrow his pass to go to the bathroom? You have to have a pass now when you're in the convention to use the... the the toilet? Is it's, this elementary school? It's for country, just remember. Yeah. Uh, Nathan Hansen, delegate and attorney, suspects this is an organized effort by the GOP establishment. Several Republicans attending the convention have reported mass confiscation of bumper stickers, literature, and the Ron Paul signs that didn't actually say Ron Paul on it, but said uh, it was a campaign for liberty sign that said calling the GOP back to its roots. So even though it didn't say anything about Ron Paul, they confiscated that stuff too because it was tangentially related to the Ron Paul movement. It's despicable. That's right. You can take the party over from the inside with all of this behavior oh, going and on. You know, oh, this is sure. This is going to work. You right? know, guys, there are a couple of uh, psychological strengths 
brands that I noticed running through this. And, and a few weeks ago, I was mentioning on my show that I thought, you know, the Republicans who have been uh, disgruntled and frustrated about John McCain, about some of the things that he's done, whether it's because they want stronger immigration policy, which is just ridiculous, which will lead us closer to the fascistic police state oh, yeah. that the supposed conservatives have always hated and not wanted, you know, the religious conservatives in particular. But they're buying into this. They're going to go for a national ID card when they said, don't get the mark of the beast and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that strikes me is uh, bringing in this woman, Sarah Palin, uh, on, on my show, I often have to deal a lot more with the personality-oriented stuff because I know yeah. I've got this sort of, you know, an audience that is is sort of a mixed mixture of people who are principled, but at the same time, uh, a more of a general widespread uh, talk radio group, you know. So I'm like, okay, I got to bring Sarah Palin. How can I how can I analyze this in a policy way? And one of the things that fascinates me is it seems like this might be one of the last turns to suborn. The traditional conservatives who used to adhere to the idea of small government by saying, for country, fight terrorism, fight to go with John McCain, a veteran, and we'll bring in this woman who represents traditional conservatism. They're trying to fold it all together, and the real traditional conservatives were across the river with Ron Paul. It's my understanding that that uh, Palin woman actually wants certain books banned. I haven't looked into this claim yet, but uh, that is what Johnson sent me a video, so obviously I can't watch it during the show. Uh, <laughs> this woman is nuts. 800-259-9231. But yeah, she is uh, definitely a stalking horse. I think that might be the right term. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything, even in these remaining moments. We'll try to sneak your call in at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The features are free. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. And I believe they've uh, launched a new streaming video service there at Amazon as well. So you can watch TV shows and stuff like that, and we'll get a percentage of those purchases as well. Uh, all of the uh, Head on over to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. All of the products, whether they're used or brand new in their 41-plus categories, qualify. So load up your shopping carts, get the stuff you need for life, and feel good because you're getting a great deal. Free Super Saver shipping on a whole bunch of items. And Free Talk Live is getting a percentage when you enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. A few more thoughts on the suppression going on of the Ron Paul delegates, or what went on, rather, last week, and I'm sure would continue if they still had the opportunities to suppress them. Uh, these Republicans, these country-first Republicans, had no interest in hearing what the Ron Paul delegates had to say from the Lou Rockwell blog. As we talked about earlier, they were being followed by the Secret Service, like one agent per delegate, per Ron Paul delegate, were, uh, was assigned, and they were not only being followed, but they were being accosted and having their stuff stolen from them. Ron Paul books, posters, signage, handouts, everything they had that was related to Ron Paul or the campaign for uh, for liberty was stolen and was not returned. It's interesting. I didn't know the Secret Service was that interested in Ron Paul's philosophy. <laughs> that is great. I'm well, happy you, to hear. Here's, awesome. Here's what somebody from Texas had to say, and Lou Rockwell posted this on his blog. I was a delegate to the Texas Republican Convention this year. If any delegate was known to be sympathetic to Dr. Paul, they were not allowed to speak to the convention. If they approached a microphone, the microphone would be turned off. If a delegate began to speak and attempted to mention Ron's name, the mic would be cut off. 
Anyone sympathetic to the Paul delegates or even those for fair and open discussion were threatened with arrest. And th- th- this is at the, the same time that, uh, you know, McCain's campaign is, uh, you know, going to Ron Paul and saying, hey, get your people to support us. Houston police were everywhere, and this was just the Texas convention that he's talking about. Houston police were everywhere, and all they needed was a nod from the power brokers to haul someone off without offense. The Republicans are Nazis. I will never vote again, or I will never again vote, participate with, or support them in any way, said the uh, said this man. Knowing what I know now, even as an evangelical Christian, I would vote Democrat before I would ever again consider a fascist Republican. Dr. Paul is in a party that absolutely despises him and all that he stands for. Take a look. Uh, then it gives a link to see what they're doing to the Paul delegates that made it to Minnesota, which we just talked to you about, how they stole all their stuff. And he says, uh, the thought that I was a delegate to their convention makes me want to go bathe. I pray they'll be utterly defeated in November. They don't deserve to be dog catchers. And then a little bit more from the actual convention last week, this story from the Los Angeles Times blog. Ron Paul, the Texas congressman who unsuccessfully sought the Republican nomination for president, has been said to resemble Gandalf, the magician from the movie version of Lord of the Rings. Republican officials seem to make Paul's supporters magically disappear during Wednesday night's roll call vote, in which the GOP convention officially nominated McCain as the party's presidential candidate. During the hour-and-a-half voting procedure, Convention Secretary Gene Inman recorded each state's votes. Even though several states cast a portion of their votes for Ron Paul, none of those votes were repeated aloud by the secretary, and therefore, they were not confirmed by the chair. According to the Oklahoma newspaper, two delegates from Oklahoma also cast their ballots for Paul, but the microphone was cut off before their votes could be recorded. The result of the roll call vote, before it was made unanimous by acclamation, recorded five votes for Paul, while the news reporter counted at least 15 the uh, one of the, and again remember a lot of the Paul people supposedly flipped sides. That's why there was only 15 votes for Paul. There should have been more than that, but they flipped sides and went with McCain at the last moment. These are the people. These fair weather fans of Ron Paul are the people that went to to be delegates for him. Well, how fair, fair weather are you at that point? I mean, you know, if you're like, hey, look, you're going to get kicked out unless you vote for McCain. Who knows what kind of threats went down? Yeah, with that's this a kind good of point. shakedown. Yep, that's mm. a good point. Uh, so they, so there you go, cutting off microphones and not recording the votes. They did record the uh, two votes for Mitt Romney from the Utah delegates. They did record his votes, but not Ron Paul. So all kinds of uh, repression or suppression of these ideas going on. They don't want people talking about Ron Paul. They don't want them bringing him up at all. And the idea that this could possibly be turned around, the idea that, oh, all we need to do is just get really active in the Republican Party and try to take it over from the inside, I wish you the best of luck with that if that's something that you're attempting to uh, to to make happen but Boy. with this kind of behavior these underhanded dirty slimy tactics I can't yeah. say I'm too yeah. optimistic. I was talking with a friend of mine about that because you know Ron's campaign for Liberty uh, has attracted a lot of a lot of people and uh, gotten a lot of uh, great support. They've mm-hmm. got a lot of money to try to help try to change the Republican Party and uh, get some people in who are more pro Liberty or at least more pro constitutional Liberty. And um, if you can use those two in, in the same sentence, I think some people would think you can. I'd like to go a little further than the Constitution, but uh, it's interesting because we were saying where are you going to get this? the the real change for the party and i think that the party in new hampshire the republican party in new hampshire is a great example 
the New Hampshire Republican Party, they had pro-freedom people within it. Those people fought for the party. They used to go to the party platform meetings all the time. Mm-hmm. They would always try to keep a small government, keep the pledge, no no broad-based tax. And they lost so ground, forth. didn't they? They lost ground. That's exactly what happened. And so they've already attempted it on a national level. I don't know how you're going to be able to do that. I think Ron Paul it may be like able to... seems like they throw money away on this. Yeah, they, they may be able to get more people into office like Ron Paul, and maybe that would be able to leverage people to see... We're talking about generations here. I mean, four right. years, two years, you've got to wait and wait and right. wait, and before you know it, you're an old man, and then and, you know, and, it's over. And in New Hampshire, the one thing that has gotten the Republican Party to start to pay some attention to some of the freedom ideas has been the threat of them losing more support by people turning away from the party and being attracted to independent or libertarian-minded candidates. Good points. So let's go to Dave in Montana listening to the Internet. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, Volhill coming down. The <laughs> fatherland come first. Apparently so. <laughs> Everything changed after 9 11. Yep, gotta, that's what they say. Gotta stay loyal to the party, man. Everything and if changed. you don't be loyal to the party, you're a terrorist or something, or you're under suspicion. And yep. we have all the power and might to do whatever the heck we want because we're the federal government. Mm hmm. You well, guys could think you have the vote, but you're captured. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, sentimentally, if you bring up the fact that you were sort of alarm bells went off when you hear John McCain talking about this, that people were mistreated. They've been fed, uh, oftentimes in the pop media, people have been fed so much about, like, Ron Paul. A guy on Fox News says, oh, he's just a nut. One of the, one of the hosts on Fox News, mm-hmm. he's just a nut. Uh, gee, that's interesting. Have you conversed with him and actually learned anything about where he stands? Because he's a pretty erudite and very, very well-versed yeah. guy. He's probably the best down there. It's amazing to me. And you get all this all this stuff thrown out so that if anybody brings up that John McCain's speech was a real fascistic sort of speech, then uh, obviously well, you're just a paranoid like he person. He wanted to start a third party or something. Maybe he wants to start the new nationalistic Fascista party. <laughs> you mean McCain? You mean McCain? Yeah. Then he 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 go he want he's a drum drummer of a different drum or oh, the yeah. you well, know he he's gonna he wants to uh, stand up for us and everything and he wants to change and what well, he don't he don't like what 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 is. Boy Bush did, you know, the other Republican. Mm. Uh, the Republicans just don't know what the heck they want. We're seeing the death of the Republican Party. Yeah. Yeah. There you go, Dave. Great I call hope. tonight. I thank you. Yavol, or whatever. Yavoy? What, what <laughs> Yavol. Yavol. Um, well, you know... Uh, Let's not forget that the Republican machine sank McCain and vilified him um, four years ago. So I think that really what you're dealing with here is not so much a, a party that's in fact changing, but a party that's uh, chameleon-like, um, like any party would be. They're going to do what it takes in order to get their guy in. This guy that they've got now is the best they've ever had and ever, even though <laughs> four years ago it. they told him, you right, know, they, they, they said this guy was he was crazy, right. McCainiacs, the whole thing. Yeah. These so, people are so gullible, they'll fall for anything, and as long as they just keep all the debate away, nobody gets to hear any uh, contradictory ideas, they don't have to think, they don't have to use their minds, no critical thinking skills required, our candidate has been selected for us, get those Ron Paul people out of here with all their brochures and stuff, liberty, what's all that about, it's all about the country now, who cares about liberty? Well, here, here's one more quick example for you of how the political process is just so inefficient and so such a poor choice, uh, and it doesn't even have anything to do with political parties. Poor Howard Waldridge, retired police detective from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, was representing Leap. Well, he was trying to, at least. 
He was ousted from the National Asian Peace Officers Association conference in Crystal City because he was representing a view contrary to U.S. government policy. They kicked a law. They kicked the law enforcement against prohibition booth, essentially, or their representative, out of a police officers conference because he was taking a position that said re-legalize drugs. They wouldn't. Even, they weren't even able to ex- explain themselves or talk about their ideas. Right. They didn't want to talk about ideas. We didn't say do drugs. We just said re-legalize them. Never question the law, Ian. Huh? We are done. It's been Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. Back tomorrow night. Join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.